um, there's a lot more consciousness about the negative effects of alcohol. I think if you if you you can almost compare it to the way people have like 20 years ago, people weren't as conscious about how food even influences their health you know so and they in the last 20 years if you think how we've progressed with regards to like eating habits and understanding exactly what you eat is what you are now funny enough it took a while but people also realizing what you drink is also what you are welcome to the tribe this is your weekly podcast from tribe sober Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober, or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. You need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone. You need a tribe because you need support. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, tribe leader, Janet Gorond. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober podcast. My name is Janet Goron. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober, and I'm your host for this podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, when I launched way back in 2015, there were no decent alcohol-free drinks around. It was either water or a soft drink. These days, there are so many that we're even able to open an alcohol-free bar when we do our workshops. And last October, there was a mindful drinking festival in Cape Town, and there were 40 alcohol-free choices on offer. This week, I'm chatting to Johannes LaRue, who's a bit of a pioneer in this alcohol-free drink space. He founded Duchess, which is an alcohol-free gin and tonic, about a year after I launched Tribe Sober, which is perfect timing. I remember going to the launch, the Duchess launch, which he rather cheekily held in the the gin bar in Cape Town. And after I'd been to the launch, I was was thrilled to be able to tell our community that finally there was a grown-up product for them to enjoy that would make their journey just that bit easier. Apart from it tasting quite delicious, holding something that looks like an alcoholic drink will stop people asking those pesky questions. You know the one I mean. The ones like, um, oh, you're not drinking this evening. Oh, go on, just have one. Or, oh, you're boring, aren't you? Etc, etc. After all, alcohol is the only drug we have to justify not taking, isn't it? Many South Africans are entrepreneurs, and Johannes is no exception. He was a real pioneer in this space. So do have a listen to his fascinating story. So Johannes, t- tell us a bit about yourself. I think you're a Cape Tonian, and I know you created Duchess. I think that's the extent of my knowledge, to be honest. Uh, great. Uh, thanks for having me, uh, Janet. Yes, I'm a born and bred Cape Tonian. Very proud of that. It's a beautiful place, and also very interesting from a from a business perspective. Uh, but we can probably get into that later. I just find it very interesting with the cons- different type of consumers, and it's a great test market for for products, uh, launching them here and then taking them all over the world. Uh, but I went to school right in the middle of Cape Town at, uh, in Yanhuan Ribiak, um, Afrikaans school. Uh, and I studied at UCT, so very much uh, been Cape Town's very much been part of 
my life. Uh, and I spent some time um, also living in the Netherlands as an exchange student when I was 15. And I think that gave me a whole different perspective on the world out there and uh, the opportunities and also understanding different cultures. Uh, and interestingly enough, um, after I'd been to the Netherlands, I, uh, a few years later, my grandmother was able to get her Dutch passport again. So we became Dutch citizens. Um, so now, yeah, it all kind of became full circle with a link to the Netherlands. Uh, and yeah, we'd also now launched the Duchess in the Netherlands, which was a big personal achievement. Yes, well, uh, hearing those stories, it, it makes a lot more sense of the, the anecdote that I, I read somewhere in an article about you, which just said that you came up with the idea for the Duchess when walking through Amsterdam <laughs> in 2016. <laughs> so my uh, my background, I, I actually studied property investment at UCT, so nothing to do with uh, branding or with uh, beverages at all. Um, but interestingly enough, um, as I was about to finish my degree in 2008, and you can imagine studying a property degree that ends in 2008 <laughs> is the craziest thing in the world, I realized, well, I'm not going to be able to do these incredible property developments that I thought about, probably go into some sort of debt counseling. And I decided to actually join one of my friends that started an advertising agency called The Suits. Um, and at first it was uh, between classes and doing a little bit more. And I, I knew absolutely nothing about advertising. Uh, I think I arrived the first day of work. He just gave me a DVD called Mad Men and said, okay, well, this is go learn advertising. And, <laughs> and that's what I did. So yeah, and we, we, it fitted quite well because we were actually, we brought um, a, a little bit ironic because we were wearing suits, but we always saw ourselves more as the creative types. And um, yeah, and then from there, um, I built that with him from two people to about 15 people over the course of three years. But at a certain point, I was like, okay, I, I really enjoy advertising and you can work on multiple brands and it's really interesting, but um, I'd love to be able to be part of the creation of a brand, like those first steps. And I've always been very entrepreneurial. I, I kind of won the Best Entrepreneur Award every year at school. So I've always had some sort of um, business-like uh, drive. Uh, and also product development it could never be something that existed before. It needed to be something new and different. So I think that's kind of, that's what led me, interestingly enough, for our conversation today to launch an alcoholic drinks brand. So my first business was um, probably the most alcoholic of South African alcoholic drink brands of all time. And it's called Branas Draft. And it's a brandy and coke on tap. So you can imagine the shift from Branas Draft to now the Duchess uh, was quite interesting. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. And how, how did that shift happen? Because I think your your brandy and coke brand was was quite successful, wasn't it? You were you were doing fine with that. Well, yeah. Why did you suddenly decide to do a U turn, if you like? Yeah, as a as a um, as a drink brand, as a 23 year old at that time, it did really well, and uh, we were lucky enough to grab the attention of um, KWV, 
who's obviously one of South Africa's biggest brandy producers. And they invested in the brand and with the idea to grow it um, all over South Africa. Um, and I think at a certain point, they were getting more involved. And I realized, well, my goal is to take a brand globally. Um, and this is, uh, as a brandy and Coke, you really only have the South African market and it's very competitive. So you either have to do it like a craft small brand, which we then made it. So it's only available in Gauteng in the East Rand. Or you need to come up with something um, a little bit uh, more innovative and globally, I think, relevant. Um, so I, I took a step back with Brana's uh, draft and decided I'm ready for a new project. And I went to go visit a friend of mine in Amsterdam. And like you said, as I was walking through the streets of Amsterdam, um, we actually started uh, interviewing people. And we had these interviews with people on the streets and in bars and family and friends. And um, two very interesting things came out over and over. And it's this pattern that kind of led me to the Duchess. And the first one was this was like the boom of gin and tonic. So uh, it, it, it was already uh, quite big in the Netherlands. And in South Africa at that time, I also knew that craft gin uh, distilleries were popping up all over the country. And on the other side of things, I was asking people the question, what alcohol do you drink? And they kept telling me, well, I'm actually trying to drink less alcohol. And it was still an interesting. It, was, it wasn't as talked about in that, at that time. I mean, now it feels like every day there's an article um, mm -hmm. Or somebody coming out and saying, "Well, I don't drink alcohol, and it's much more socially acceptable." And but I found it very interesting because I realized I was like, uh, "You get alcohol-free beer, but what if you don't drink beer um, per se?" Or uh, and there w weren't even a lot of beers at that time. But this was before Heineken 0.0, before Castle-free. Uh, but obviously, there was a demand for it. So and generally, as a sort of business-minded person, that's when you say, oh, wait, there's a gap here. There's a demand, uh, but a lack of supply. And I came back and uh, started working on the concept of a non-alcoholic gin tonic. And that's what it was called for a long time before we came up with the name The Duchess. And I started working with Ines, my co-founder, who's uh, the creative director, and he's behind all the beautiful design. And I think more than just developing sort of a non-alcoholic gin and tonic, we really started thinking about and uh, we became quite interested in the concept of alcohol-free adult drinks and the future of that um, and realizing from our first initial sales with the Duchess and putting it out, what a sort of big gap there really is. Um, yeah, then I think that's kind of how we developed the original product. Yeah, no, I must say you've got a, a beautiful brand there. Inez is very talented. It's, uh, you know, all your social media, just the marketing, it, it's so fresh and appealing. It's, uh, it, it's beautiful. And uh, I think, you know, that's definitely made a contribution to, to your success, hasn't it? No, definitely. And I think that's something we realized um, quite early with the Duchess is, is trying to define the definition of an alcohol-free drink. And realizing, well, the concept is important. It's 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 great to to say this is a non-alcoholic version of a gin and tonic taste. So it's like you've got a, a taste profile that's been proven, um, but that's only really I, I would say 
um, a third uh, of the way. Another important part of it is a brand that um, adults can can really connect with and say, well, this is something that doesn't look like a soft drink or a cool drink. It's something which I can associate myself with. And then thirdly, basically, that then becomes like a treat and something that you, when you go out, you're able to to order. So it's a it's a full circle because they could you can have a lot of alcohol free type brands that don't work i think because they don't necessarily have the brand side of it um and i think that's where the brand became very important it's that sophistication it brings and what about the recipe i mean who i don't know anything about manufacturing drinks where does that come from who Uh, makes it how do you make it um, it was definitely a challenge, uh, and um, I think what at least what I'd learned a lot from is having my own drinks brand before the Duchess is that you work um, what they call flavoring houses. So it's really interesting. Uh, they basically these massive companies that that develop all the flavors in the world, and um, I'd worked with really good beverage technologists and uh, flavoring houses and um, kind of took the concept to them and we started playing around with it and um, I think at like after version number eight I was like wow this is something quite special I feel like this is a gin and tonic and it was very much like um, a, a straight up London dry type gin and tonic and we were almost kind of ready to launch with that and I was still raising funds also like friends and family and taking this these little samples along and didn't even have the proper branding yet, but trying to raise funds for the project. I actually one evening realized, well, my, my aunt, Phoebe, she had the previous year for Christmas given me botanical extracts that she makes herself. So that's got like, and ended up having orange peel, cardamom, cloves, star anise in, in these little uh, bottles of, botanicals and um that night i actually added two drops to my own sample and then it just came together completely so it had that more craft gin authentic taste and it was just a little bit more complex so then then your your mind almost just it doesn't even need to be a gin and tonic it's just a, a good dry adult drink and uh yeah that's that's how we developed it so my aunt actually played an integral part in the developing <laughs> and we still buy now like a lot of botanical extracts from her lovely i love the way you had a eureka moment when you tasted the botanicals in it it's a beautiful story Mm. so yeah it was interesting what you said about it it's like it was just a dry lovely drink because a lot of people you know the people that are in our community and they've just given up drinking they say oh well i try these alcohol free wines but they really don't taste like the real thing. So I always say to them, you've got to look at alcohol-free drinks as a completely different category. You know, uh, the wine isn't going to taste exactly like your Cabernet Sauvignon or whatever you love. Mm. And even, you know, the Duchess, beautiful though it is, it doesn't taste exactly like a gin and tonic and it's not mm. going to give you the buzz certainly isn't exactly. so so i say to people see these drinks in a, a third category if you like you've got your alcohol you've got your coke and all the sweet drinks and then you've got alcohol free drinks and i think if people can do that and just try all the different varieties they're more likely to find something that they like i completely and, agree with you and i think um, even the producers need to start seeing it in that way because i think 
part of the reason why people associate um, uh, it so narrowly with the alcohol counterparts is because the producers aren't really pushing it enough. Like I always, uh, I actually spoke at the UK uh, soft drink conference last year and um, my whole talk where it was uh, about beyond alcohol. And the, the, the key to it was basically that the Duchess is a born alcohol free product. So I think what's interesting about being a born alcohol free product is that there aren't any rules associated to having an alcoholic brand, having to um, position it in a certain way, having to package it in a certain way, and and having basically all these alcohol limitations around something yep. that's actually got nothing to do with alcohol. And um, yeah. and what we're seeing now is that there are more of these alcohol-free brands being uh, developed that don't even have a connotation with alcohol. So like uh, like you say, um, you get non-alcoholic wines, you get non-alcoholic gin tonics, but what really interests me is brands that are completely different. So there's a yeah. there's a brand um, that uh, just came out in the US, which I find very interesting. It's called Sun Blazer, and it's, um, or Sun Chaser, actually, not Blazer, Sun Chaser. It's, it hasn't even launched yet. What they do is um, they say the buzz without the alcohol. So they actually have active ingredients in the drink that uh, gives you a certain buzz, uh, which is quite interesting. And it's also very interesting flavor uh, profiles. Another one similar to that is called Recess, uh, which is a predominantly CBD-infused uh, beverage. And yeah, we've actually got a sister uh, brand or a brand that I also consult on called uh, Dope Drinks, which is a CBD-infused um, sparkling drink. And that's where I think people are now going and saying, okay, well, yeah. it doesn't need to be just the non-alcoholic exactly. version of an alcoholic product. Mm -hmm. um, and I find that very interesting having other active ingredients that don't necessarily have the negative effects of alcohol. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. If you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just head on over to tribesober.com and hit the membership tab. That's www.tribesober.com. And I love what you say about the born freeze. Mm, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so get born free rather than a bottle of wine that is de-alkalized. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that actually, that's exactly the way we saw in the webinar the other day for your uh, celebration. I mentioned that in July, uh, the Duchess is launching a new range called the Duchess Spritz. We haven't seen another one, so I'm going to claim it. The world's first alcohol-free wine spritzer. It sounds like it, but actually it's a completely made up thing. And we saw it as that. We saw it as a completely blank canvas. And we said, okay, cool. This is not an alcohol-free wine that we're going to be putting in a wine lookalike bottle and try and sell it and try and trick people into thinking it's a wine. It's something that we're going to break it apart completely. And we say, okay, cool. Let's disrupt the packaging. We'll put it in the same Dutch's bottles. Let's use the alkalized wine, but why not add good natural flavor to it to actually make it taste good? So we add elderflower to the Sauvignon Blanc dealkalization and we add 
acai berry to the rosé. So now it becomes an alcohol-free drink that just uses the alkalized wine as a base. And also, why not put a, it needs to be refreshing, right? So we, we say, why not put a spritz in it, a bit of carbonation? And now you've got a completely different product that uses the ideas and taste profiles of other drinks, but has a completely new experience for the customer. Yeah, I must say that elderberry uh, sounds like a winner. That's, that's always very popular when we give people elderberry uh, cordial to taste mm. with sparkling water. So, so And the kai berry, I like the sound of that with, with rosé as well. Mm. Oh, well, roll on July. I mean, that's just next month. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're quite busy at the moment with getting all the packaging uh, ready. And uh, it was supposed to launch um, in April, but... Um, then with um, the global pandemic, we put everything on hold. And then, interestingly enough, the, um, the restrictions on alcohol led to this massive boom in alcohol-free drink sales. And we decided, you know what, actually, it's the perfect time to launch, uh, to launch a new alcohol-free drink. And yeah, so we've moved it forward again to July. So we're very excited. And we'll be ready for next summer. Awesome. I'm sure it'll do well. I still remember your launch party for the Duchess uh, in the gin bar, do you remember? Yes, exactly. And it was so strange. I love that. Uh, that was the first time I think it really clicked because at the start, you generally, uh, you know, at a, these type of launch events, everybody would run to the bar and get a drink and then it would go from sort of quiet and then quickly it would become louder as people relax and they, they they start conversing and what was interesting to me about this launch is obviously there was no alcohol it was just the duchess but it had exactly the same trajectory yes. people it was kind of quiet and then people relaxed and without you, you think it's the alcohol that does it but i think it's yeah. just actually people need to realize that you'll always feel a bit strange going into a big group of people Absolutely. and then you, you naturally kind of uh, let go of the, those anxieties and uh, yeah, and you start having fun anyway. You don't need the alcohol. Exactly, yeah. exactly. We, we we find that on our workshops, we talk about people's fears, you know, about giving up alcohol, and they always say, "Oh, I'll never be able to socialize," you know, without alcohol. And then uh, I I remind them that when they arrived for the workshop, they were all drinking coffee together and getting to know each other, and they were chatting away, and the noise was <laughs> loud, exactly. you know. Yes, yes, yes. And as you say, I mean, everybody is anxious for those first few moments and then it passes and you can start enjoying yourself but i've always said uh, we give alcohol too much credit for fun yeah you know? no i completely it, agree with a, you it's actually the people that we're with the environment that makes the fun it's not really what's in your glass yeah. unless it's duchess of course <laughs> <laughs> no but it, that's great and i think that's where uh, what um, you are doing is very important is around the education of that because it's just people don't really talk about it a lot you know and uh, i don't know if um, before there'd been a lot of actually structured thinking around it and telling people it's okay and you're going to feel anxious and it passes and like you said giving it too much credit and yeah that's I think a very interesting place where the Duchess would also like to grow our uh, marketing and our direction is to to invest more into education around uh, changing people's uh, relationship with alcohol like you like you guys say with this I think people really are afraid about, uh, to, to give it up and all they really need is that a little bit of support and a helping hand and yeah that's why it's amazing and and we love it 
because that that instantly becomes a Dutch's consumer as well. So if you look at the how small or the potential still with alcohol-free drinks, I think it's the same type of potential with education around alcohol. Yeah. Um, it's also in its infancy stage, and uh, I think I see a, a big future with courses and supports and challenges and everything. Um, especially if you start integrating it into these social circles that are generally have alcohol, like, and you start making it part of um, corporate experiences or you're making it part of your sporting uh, groups or social groups, it, it can become quite a valuable contribution. Yes, and uh, it's always been my dream. Maybe uh, this period isn't the most appropriate, but uh, I'd love to see a sober bar in uh, in Cape Town. I think mm. there's such uh, such a need for it. I've talked to a few people, but nobody's quite got the courage to go for it. And it's not my field of expertise. I wouldn't dream of going there. But uh, I think you know there's a definite uh, need for some somewhere like yeah. that because I, I love bars. I still love bars. Exactly. I'd love to be in a bar where nobody else was drinking <laughs> yes yes and it's it's interesting like we've we've thought about it a lot and i've been to a few um alcohol free bars in london and in new york uh, and there's a new one that actually just opened in amsterdam the first and uh, it's oh. incredible the amount of um pr they get uh, you know as as the first yeah. so i think like we we've we spoke about it about a year and a half ago to do a duchess yeah you could call it the bar. duchess yes exactly um <laughs> But yeah, at that time, we were also just like growing so fast and trying to, but I wouldn't take it off the table. Maybe it's something we should uh, do as a pop-up. It's a great way to try. There's so many places in Cape Town that, that one could do that. Yeah, exactly. And um, interestingly enough, there's this new concept on on drinks distribution that's really interesting me at the moment. It's... Um, where it's uh, on demand um, or what they call dark bars, so dark kitchens, because you say it's maybe not the right time, but to to maybe uh, open it as a dark bar where you can order on Uber Eats um, an alcohol-free cocktail and it gets delivered to your door within 20 minutes. Um, that could, could maybe be a good launch. And then once things... Mm. progress where i'm literally brainstorming with you now <laughs> yeah I, I heard that ab imbev are, are planning that by 2025 20 percent of their product range will be alcohol free have you heard that statistic as well yes that was very interesting actually um so we at the end of last year um partnered uh, with ab imbev so they um uh, bought a stake into uh, the Duchess to help us grow uh, globally. And uh, last year, I went to New York actually on holiday. I had this business card uh, that a friend gave to me of uh, somebody at AB InBev that was in their uh, investment side. And he said, if you ever go to New York, just call up this guy and, and have a chat with him. And so I did that actually, just taking a chance. Spoke to him about Duchess and the way we see alcohol free. And what was so interesting is he kind of... It, I kind of realized it was perfect timing because he was like, well, I just walked out of a meeting where we actually employed now a director of non-alcoholic drinks um, for ABMF. Wow. So this is like the top 10 people in ABMF. Now there's a director just of non-alcoholic drinks. In that meeting, the CEO told him that by 2025, I think 20% of our revenue should be under your portfolio. And if you look at their revenue, I mean, I think it's something like... 20 billion dollars at the moment by 2025 it's maybe a lot bigger 
that's a lot of uh, potential they see. So that's uh, that's I heard the stat there first, and then subsequently to that, a lot of PR around it. And I think AB InBev is obviously they're the biggest brewer beer brewer in the world, but they're actively diversifying. Uh, as more of a beverage company. So they're getting into um, other alcoholic drinks than beer, but also getting into a lot of non-alcoholic drinks. And I think that just actually makes sense. So they're a very innovative company for such a big company. They're very fast on, on what's happening in the world. And I think that they've noticed that the consumer shift and yeah. they they've realized that they need to get in get in early. Uh, another interesting fact, just on that, which was one that I kind of used in my pitch to them, and and was that in America, uh, a recent survey shows that fifty three percent of Americans are actively trying to drink less alcohol, but the alcohol free drinks market is only 0.5% at the moment. So they all want to drink less, but nobody's actually drinking less. Yeah, there are two sides to that. One is, number one, that there aren't really good alternatives. And the other side to it, and that's where I think One Year No Beer comes in, is like there's just not a lot of education around how to try and drink less. You know, yeah, people know, know they want to, but they don't, don't know how, I think. Yeah, I mean, I personally, I knew for years that I would have to make a change because it was getting worse and worse. I was drinking more and more, but I had no idea how to do it. That's, you know, it's we, we all know that we must. And so you've got your conscious mind telling you, you know, you must drink less, you must stop drinking. But then that night you've got a party to go to, so you can't possibly manage. And then next week, you know, you've got a dinner and you cannot okay. imagine how to do it. So just a few simple tools and, and other people on the same path. That's that, that's what makes a difference. No, I completely agree. But it's agree. very difficult, very difficult to do on your own. The uh, most difficult things I've done in my life is giving it up for three months at the start of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And for all intents and purposes, I probably st- still drink too much. And it's like, it's something that I constantly, I'm constantly aware of. And I'm um, even as a non alcoholic drinks entrepreneur that's studying this every single day. <laughs> and I follow obviously all the alcohol free hashtags and all the thing on social media. I still feel like I drink too much, you know? So I think that's something that uh, we need to, you need to kind of acknowledge, the world needs to acknowledge how, how big a problem it is and how kind of addictive it is, that it is not an easy thing to change. And if you give no. it that, almost the credit it deserves, if you basically mm-hmm. say this is a, a bigger problem than I'm admitting to myself, then maybe that's the first step to actually um, then yeah. looking for 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 support or or educating yourself on on it more because yeah. during yeah. that time I also read up a lot about the effects and why like why yeah. did we get into this so much why is it such a and then like what it almost clicks and I definitely have changed my social behavior completely after after taking a three month break and i'll have to take another one soon (laughs) yeah i mean that's what i say to people even if you don't stop completely just take a break because Mm. if you keep taking you know a one month break now and again you're testing your dependence because if it's a nightmare to get through that month you know you've got a problem but Mm. if you hardly notice it then then you're fine 
So just do uh, a regular check is what I say to people. Exactly. And going back to this kind of societal shift that seems to be taking place, uh, I think the sober curious movement is is quite an interesting one. Yeah, and and that it's coming um, from from young people actually, which is yeah, I think really absolutely. really interesting to me yeah. because it shows that it will happen quite quickly because it's a whole generation that's saying that they're yeah. drinking less or they um, it's either they're um, I think it's almost just like less interested in alcohol from the get-go. It's just, it's not mm. a worthy, it's kind of something my parents used to do. That's quite cool that that's happening. And I think um, there's a lot more consciousness about the negative effects of alcohol. I think if you, if you, you can almost compare it to the way people have like 20 years ago, people weren't as conscious about how food even influences their health you know so and they in the last 20 years if you think how we've progressed with regards to like eating habits and understanding exactly what you eat is what you are now funny enough it took a while but people also realizing what you drink is also what you are you know we we like to eat healthy we do this gluten-free and organic and then we do our yoga and then we drink a bottle of wine which completely negates all the all the good work exactly i don't know if you're aware of the stat that 25 percent of young people in the uk they're just not drinking that's incredible i think i actually use this um if like i think the previous generation came up with this like including myself, um, was uh, work hard, party hard. And yeah. like, I really thought about that phrase a lot in these t- talks I've been doing around alcohol-free and research. And I realized it's absolutely bull. Like there's no way you're going to be partying hard and then working hard. Um, so I think that's also <laughs> something that, that the young people have realized because the world is a much more competitive place. Um, yeah. they, I think a lot of um, people say the uh general gen z is are, are lazy but i don't think so at all i think it's an extremely competitive world and they're actually that's where the whole concept of hustling comes from it's this new like okay we yes. want to actually be successful we actually achieve something with our life you know alcohol is keeping us away from doing that so 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 mm-hmm. i'd say no no to working hard and partying hard and rather the hustle <laughs> work hard and retire at 40 <laughs> yeah exactly and then you can do whatever, whatever you want but yeah the uh, we had a guy on the workshop not long ago and he was about 32 years old and uh, he was a, an investment banker he didn't have a problem really a big problem and uh, we at the beginning of the workshops we asked people you know for their story and why are they there and what is, what is their motivation and he said uh, I'm here because I want to get an edge at work you know i want to be sharp because all my colleagues drink their heads off and i I know that i'm very ambitious and i know that i can uh, make more progress if i if i go non-alcoholic and now i just want the tools to be able to cope with that that alcohol free journey so that that was fascinating yeah yeah, because our workshops tend to be dominated by more mature ladies that have you know like like me that the alcohol's crept up on them over the years and you know until it has become a problem but he was clever enough to work it all out at the age of 30 (laughs) so I was very impressed with that one. <laughs> yeah, there's more information around. And I think also yeah. um, where I actually watched um, this rom-com the other day, and it was interesting. There was this, the, the lead character um, 
quickly at the start of the uh, of the movie said no I, I sorry i don't drink and i was like oh well that's the first time i see that <laughs> in like a hollywood movie you know um or where the lead yes. character kind of just says i don't drink and it it works so well with if you're looking at if you talking about all the actors almost none of them drink anymore either i mean you don't look like that over at 60 if you're drinking <laughs> yeah so i think um there's a lot more people coming out uh, and saying you know what i don't drink alcohol and the more that happens the more i think people find ro- role models and realize well this is maybe actually only like my small friend group that's still drinking like uh, we're students it's it's actually now uh, completely okay not to, not to drink as much alcohol and to be more conscious yeah yeah we do need more of that in in movies i mean i had to smile at the beginning of this interview when you you told me that uh you you were taught advertising by giving a dvd set of Mad Men. yeah interestingly enough they also have a little bit of a thing around alcohol in the end and how he has to uh, get over his his addiction but yeah it's 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 becoming more topical i think so let's uh, talk a little bit about the lockdown as we're as it's still rather current. Uh, because you told me you gave me an amazing uh, statistic the other day of how your your sales have gone up during lo- lockdown. Yeah, at first we uh, we weren't sure about uh, lockdown and the effect of the pandemic on on the Duchess business and the sale of alcohol free drinks. Because interestingly enough, uh, most of our um, product is still sold through liquor stores. Um, so that's also something that slowly we've been trying to get listings in the grocery side because if you're looking for an alcohol-free drink, you wouldn't necessarily go to the liquor store. But um, it was a slow process in trying to convince uh, buyers. And what what the interesting and the good thing was about lockdown is that um, immediately all the grocery buyers were now interested to list uh, alcohol-free drinks, and you you could probably see uh, over that lockdown month with the Heineken zero point zero and the uh, Savannah everywhere, and hopefully also Duchess, all in the spa stores and in the checker stores and in the pick and pay stores. Um, so I think it really fast tracked that move to the grocery side, got us those listings, and then um, what also happened was I think people were more open to the idea of trying an alcohol alternative since they were a little bit forced into it. What came out of it, and we saw that on social media, was a lot of first-time buyers trying the product and saying, hey, I've heard about it before, but I've never really bought it. And now that I've tried it, you know what? I really love it, and I'm going to continue buying the Duchess even after lockdown. So we saw a massive increase in sales, but uh, more importantly, we saw a massive amount of new buyers trying an alcohol-free drink and hopefully changing their mind around alcoholic and alcohol-free drinks uh, for the future. But that's where I feel like you you guys are doing incredible work. And like I said, the Duchess is, would like to get more involved with uh, that side of it and the education side of, of things. Um, so we'll definitely be in contact. I've got a few ideas of how we could work closer together. Thank you, Johannes. That was so interesting. And uh, really nice to catch up again after after quite a while. As usual, I'm going to pull out a few points from that conversation, a few points that I think are of particular interest. Like all clever entrepreneurs, Johannes spotted a gap in the market. 
he realised that many people actually wanted to drink less, but they had no idea how to do it. He knew that they certainly didn't want to drink water or soft drinks when they went out. So he wanted to create a sophisticated brand that would appeal to adults, and that's exactly what he did. We agreed that alcohol-free drinks should be seen in a category all of their own. They shouldn't be seen as fake wine or as a soft drink, but in a third category. When we stop drinking, we need to taste, taste and taste until we find our go-to drink. And with all those choices, you'll find something you love. Just think of it as part of that journey of self-discovery that you've embarked on. The Duchess New Spritz was treated as a blank canvas, Johannes explained. Dealkalized wine was used as the base, and then delicious flavours such as elderberry and acai berry were added. It's a lovely summer rosé, and it's a perfect drink to get you through the Sober Spring Challenge. Johannes feels there's not enough education about how to change your drinking habits, but he can sense that times are changing. He agrees that it's essential for people to take a break from alcohol now and again. And he loves our Sober Spring Challenge as he feels people can turn it into a bit of a social thing. And of course it actually gives you a great excuse. Oh no, I'm not drinking. I'm doing Sober Spring this year. At ABNBEF, they now have a director of alcohol-free drinks, would you believe? And by 2025, they're predicting that 25% of their massive turnover will be in his area. So I do hope that you realise that by ditching the drink, you are bang on trend. Thank you so much for listening. Do check out our website. You'll see a WhatsApp symbol on the homepage. Do click on it and just say hi or ask me any questions that you may have. Remember, we do coaching, workshops, memberships. And of course, our Sober Spring Challenge is just round the corner. Till next time. Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard, it takes courage and grit, and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain, and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards, and that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.